Securing your first job gives you a sense of independence. You earn money to take care of your needs and your wants. Supposedly, a good rule of thumb is to save at least 20% of what you earn. Even if you love your job, you cannot work forever. You begin to think about retirement as you get deeper into your career. But how does one know how much they really need to retire? My name is Ronika Jacobs, and you've found my podcast, Strive for More, Your Best Life Now. While there are hundreds of thousands of podcasts out there, you've taken the time out to listen to this one. And so for that, I would like to say thank you. So without any further delay, let's get to it. Let's strive for more. Retire the work, not the money. My next guest, Deborah Morrison, is helping people strive for more in the area of wealth building and retirement. Deborah is a certified financial planner with a master's degree in retirement planning. She holds an accredited estate planner designation and has over 40 years of experience. Deborah is the author of three books and has been featured on CNN, ABC, as well as quoted in the Wall Street Journal. USA Today, and others. Deborah's goal is to help her clients to strategize to accumulate wealth or, once retired, enjoy a sustainable lifetime income stream by effectively managing the sequence of return, longevity, and inflation risk. In this episode, she will share some financial tips for retirement and explain how you can make your money work for you once you retire without starting a whole new career at 65. Hi, Deborah. Welcome. Thank you so much for being on my show. How are you? I'm great, Renika. Thanks so much for having me. I think we're going to have a great time. Ah, yes, we are. We are. Okay, so is there a magic formula that you can use to determine when you should retire? I mean, should it be on your terms or when your job says, hey, it's time for you to go? Well, that all depends. I kind of sound like an attorney there, right? Um, You definitely want to retire when you choose, and that's going to depend largely upon your circumstances. And it boils down, Renika, to wanting – most people want to have at least their current lifestyle in retirement that they have now. Some people are a little foggy on their goals, but like when I say, well, you know, I doubt you want to have a lesser lifestyle in retirement than you have now. And Oh, no, no, no. So that's a good starting point. So we want to figure out what you're spending now and then how those expenses will either be increased or decreased in retirement. And there will be some that are lower and some that are much higher. So then we take that to a fee-only planner, and that is going to give you a probability analysis. Now, I don't want to get into too many weeds, but basically what you want to know ahead of the decision of retirement, if you will, is 
is this going to work? And is, is it going to work made in the shade, tons of uh, margin for error, or am I really close and I need to watch every little nuance? And so I love to know in advance rather than being surprised about something, especially when it has to do with our money. So basically, it's a, I make analogies a lot. I know you're an education kind of a gal as I am. I mean, this is why we have quizzes in school before the final exam, right? So these are, this, this prep work before you actually do the retirement transaction, you figure it out before. Hey, how is this going to look? And then if you figure out that it's not going to look as well as you would like it, you have plenty of time to tweak it. So that's a beautiful uh, uh, choice, and I'm all about giving people choices. So always, always on your terms, control what you can control. Mm, that makes so much sense. Control what you can control and thinking about wanting to keep your current lifestyle after that. So some people, I've heard, they decide to retire early. What's your opinion on that? Well, I think the issue of early is subjective, of course. And I don't frankly care when a person chooses to reduce their uh, earned income, for example, and start living on part of their nest egg. But the fact is you want to factor in all of the probabilities and some unexpected kinds of monkey wrenches, right? So, in fact, if you're going to retire early, there's, there's a, a, a few decisions that have to be made because sometimes that means you're going to need some extra supplemental income before, for example, that your Social Security would be fully available to you. So there are some gap years, perhaps, on an early retirement decision. And so those just need to be managed. I'm never going to say if a person can do it or not without actually doing the evidence-based testing, which is the, the interesting aspect, Renika, between the confluence of science and art, and that is real financial coaching. So basically, I'm all about teasing out the person's goals and, and objectives and then seeing if the means, if their assets and so forth are commensurate with that, given a bunch of financial formulas and assumptions. And that's going to tell us um, you know, how big the hurdles will be if you want to go out early or not. Um, now, when young people get their first job, whether it's uh, right out of high school or, or after some, some college or even after they get their first degree or second degree, okay, there's talk about retirement within their benefits package. But at that right. point in time, that seems so far off. So what should yes. someone in their 20s do to prepare for retirement? Like how aggressive should they be? Well, this is a great question, and I certainly remember when I was 20. I actually was pretty disciplined, and yet there are those that aren't. And oftentimes we think as human beings, oh, we can do that later, right? Oh, someday I'll go ahead and start saving for retirement. And ultimately, because of compounding, and Einstein called compounding the eighth wonder of the world, <laughs> so he was a pretty bright man. And if you can start saving early, Ronika, then you don't have to save quite as much. And there are historic examples of this whereby tw hypothetical twins, you know, graduate college at the same time, and, and it's called the Beth and Bill analogy, and Beth starts saving immediately, and Bill says, oh, I'll wait for that. I uh, like to have a lot of fun right now. And so Beth saves only for a few years and then stops. And then Bill doesn't even start until seven or eight years. And then fast forward till they're 65 and presuming they both make the same amount. Beth has a bazillion dollars more uh, than Bill. The idea here is 
that I don't care if you call it retirement. Some people bristle at that word, and especially younger people. They're like, I'll, I'll never retire. Okay, great. Whatever it is, I suspect that at some point you'll cut back on your earned income, if you will, and you'll start to draw from those savings accounts, and that's what needs to be built up. And if you can save a little bit at a time through compounding, that starts to work in your favor. So you don't have to save quite so much. On the converse, if you wait way, 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 way too late, then you really have to play super catch-up and perhaps take uh, bigger risks, which probably aren't going to pan out as well. So I think from a risk management standpoint, you kind of think of your life as, I have needs for the next five years, I have needs for year five to 10, 10 to 15, uh, 15 to 20, and 20 plus years. And you gotta throw that 20 plus year, you gotta blow, throw anything that's longer than you know 10 years out in stocks. I mean, you gotta go small cap stocks, I think, uh, uh, some combination of small cap stocks and large cap stocks. So basically we want to know the risks and know what it is we're looking to achieve. And then you match the investment with the duration of the goal, right? So it really ends up being quite common sense. So you mentioned the analogy of the Beth and the Bill story with the twin saving. And so what about there are people out there like Bill? They've had a great time in their 20s, and now it's 30s. They're settling down. They're having families, and they're going, oh, like retirement is real. (laughs) It might be soon. (laughs) So now they're late 30s, early 40s, such as myself. And they're like, oh, you know, I don't want to keep doing this all my life. Like, at some point, I want to get, kind of sit back and chill. So what can a person at that position, what can they do? Well, we must start. You see, I want to get that motion of systematic saving going. I frankly don't care about the amount so much. The amount is going to uh, tell you whether you can achieve those goals sooner rather than later or take less risk in the journey. Yet the ultimate aspect of what I deem uh, systematic savings may, is made completely easy if your employer has a qualified plan, a 401k for profit organizations, 403b for not-for-profit. And so those are, those are payroll deduction savings. And you know what I say to people, Renika? You're going to miss that the first paycheck and then the second and third and subsequent paycheck. You don't even miss it because it's automatic, right? You didn't ever get mm. your hands on it. So you didn't have to take it and then give it up. You just gave it up off the top. So the issue that people don't get is that if you're, let's, so let's say you're making 50000 a year and you wanted to put in $10,000 into your 401k, your W-2, what the government gets as a record of your earnings is 40000 in my little example, because 10 went pre-tax to your retirement savings. So you actually save tax monies right now by saving for your own future. And so what you want to do, let's say you're in the, just make the math easy, 20% tax bracket, and you put away $10,000 times 20%, you just saved $2,000 on current income tax, which means that $10,000 savings only cost you $8,000. You see how fun this can be? Wow. And I, I understand exactly what you were saying by if you just go ahead and take it out the first check, then you won't miss it. Because as they say, you can't miss something you never had. So that makes total sense. That's exactly okay. right. That's exactly right. Yes. Now let's follow up on that. Okay. The, ne- the next raise yes. you get, Renika, the next raise you get, yes. right, you're not used to that money. And I want you to take a, a good 20% of that, ba-boom, right, and increase your savings until that is maxed out. And then when your pre-tax is maxed out, do some after-tax savings. Trust me, 
You know what the comp the the complaint of older older citizens is? I wish I would have started earlier. So let me just be the the town crier here. Start early. You're never going to miss it. And once you start getting into a relationship and having a house payment and children, you're going to have an awful lot of costs. I mean, a lot of people are caught shorthanded right now that maybe didn't have a an emergency fund, for example. So trust me, it's never going to be, quote, unquote, easy. What I want you to do is focus not on, oh, I'm depriving myself because I have to save for retirement. Nonsense. I am satisfying my standard of living X number of years down the road. We're not talking about you're supporting your neighbor. You're supporting you. That's fun. No, definitely. <laughs> okay, so now you've talked about the 20s and the 30s and early 40s. Now, people in their 50s and 60s, there's this talk always about Social Security is going to go away. It's going to, it's going to disappear. Is that money really going to run out? And if it does, then what happens next? Yes, well, my crystal ball has been on that back order for so long, and so it's difficult <laughs> to uh, forecast. And yet I suspect it's doubtful that uh, a system like Social Security or what are, they're actually called entitlements, people bristle at that because they've paid money into it, but if that isn't available, I doubt that it will disappear because, one, younger Americans vote, <laughs> and they're probably not going to uh, take to, to that kindly, such that whatever the system will be or the safety net, which is exactly what Social Security started out to be, uh, under Franklin Roosevelt, and, and whatever the safety net is, it will, it will probably be something. And yet, I want to suggest that our parents typically had defined benefit pension plans, like they retired, they got the watch, the $2,000 a month. We're not going to have that defined benefit. So, you know, and the government has pushed back the age of receiving your full Social Security benefit. So this is the memo, right? Like, and if you didn't get the memo, I'm giving you the memo right now. Save on your own, Renika. You'll never be sorry. So you want to well, – I have no idea whether Social Security will be around in its current form or not. I suspect it will be morphed and changed and pushed back because you're also going to live longer than uh, previous generations. Longevity risk is something that's quite real. I had two of my four grandparents live well into their 90s. So we want to plan for that. So health insurance is also a factor. Health insurance by this point might be universal, so then you don't have that monthly expense. So there will be a different uh, age and a different society and different issues for which to plan, and yet always, always, always you're going to do better and have more options and choices with more savings at your disposal. Now, Deborah, thank you so much for that. You mentioned health insurance. That's one of my questions. How, how do you factor in medical expenses for retirement? You, you have no idea if you're going to get extremely sick or if you're just going to be fine. Or I mean, of course, our health does wane as we get older, but how do you know how to factor for that? Yes, it's a great question, and the aspect of not knowing what medical shape we'll be in compounds the problem. But the stats right now are that a healthy couple age 65, again, no pre-existing uh, major illnesses, will look to pay a quarter million dollars. That's 250, even with the new math. A quarter million dollars for medical care. That's not their deductibles, Renika. That's not their copays. That's a quarter million dollars for medical insurance over their lifetimes. And that mm. is a big, big hunk of change. So you say, oh, gosh, I don't think I can do that. Well, maybe you can, maybe you can't. But now we take a look at adult communities. And currently, they're not a bad choice for a lot of people, especially people without children or limited means, in such that 
adult communities typically have another level of care or two or three such that if you gain entrance into an adult community, typically in exchange for a big, you know, several hundred thousand dollar lump sum, then no matter how bad your health gets, you will be taken care of and eventually go on Medicaid and, you know, you won't have any issues. Versus living in your own house and now you have to figure out how you're going to pay for home health care once you or your partner has a stroke or dementia or anything else such that I think we're going to morph as a society into the confluence of living conditions and health care, and they're going to be smushed together in a way I suspect will be quite good. And so right now I'm saying that uh, adult communities might be an excellent investment for a lot of people because it mitigates that unknown, like, holy camoly, will I have a really bad illness that's going to cost and basically bankrupt me? Now, a lot of my clients like to... Like, and my friends like to leave something to their kids, right? You want to leave a legacy. Well, that goes down the drain real quick if you have a long-term illness. So that might be an interesting consideration. And so I suspect that that will continue to get more and more honed as we age as a society uh, into our 90s and well over 100. So stay tuned. Hmm. And you mentioned adult communities. And so I was wondering, should a person pay off their mortgage and any other large debt before they retire? Well, it's a good question, and the answer really is uh, tied in with an income tax consideration, right? So often we get so myopic about our investments, and more worse yet, like did I beat the Standard & Poor this last quarter in my performance, right? Where I focus on uh, is how, in fact, are your dollars – How expensive are your dollars versus what we call OPM, other people's money, right? So I'm not going to say categorically you should pay off your mortgage right when you retire because let's say your mortgage interest rates is low, and right now they are low. We've been in a very low interest rate environment. So what you do is you you multiply your mortgage interest rate by your effective tax bracket. So let's make the math easy. Let's say you have a 4% mortgage right now or when you're about ready to retire. Let's say you're in a 20% tax bracket. 20% times 4 is 0.8. So you take 4 less 0.8 because at least currently under the tax code, we can deduct, most of us, mortgage interest. So the 0.8 is the effect of the tax savings. So 4 less 0.8 is is, uh, 3.2%. So the question is, the multimillionaire question, are you able – in the outside market, in the investments that you're now holding or you could hold, are you able to gross or net after taxes more than 3.2? Because that's all the money that's costing. That's what the money is costing you on keeping the mortgage. So you will have money to pay off the mortgage in another one of your investments, not like you're going hat in hand. But the point is you want to determine and be a little cagey about minimizing your income taxes because every dollar you don't spend and pay in unnecessary taxes, you keep for yourself, and they compound on each other. So it depends. It depends on what's going to be tax deductible when you get to that point. Can you get an after-tax return that supersedes those tax deductible expenses. Now, that said, our parents, like a lot of people think, why is there so much hubbub about, you know, retirement and and everybody's beating the big drum about save early and save a lot? Well, our parents basically, you know, again, had those defined benefit pension plans. They basically went into Mm -hmm. retirement with a free and clear house. They basically didn't have boomerang kids that came back and lived with them and had the habit of eating. And they basically didn't have to care for elderly parents. That's a lot of basically not, no obligations that we, most of us, are going to face two or three or four of those. 
So that's no, the I, reason that the drum beat is very, very loud. And the warnings, if you will, and the planning strategies abound to get ahead of this curve. Young people, listen up. Set aside some right now. You won't miss it, and you're going to need it. Thank you for telling us that, Deborah. And I hope my listeners are listening to what she's saying. Start early. And if you aren't starting early and you feel like, oh, well, I missed that. No, you have not missed that train. All right. Now, you mentioned no. 401K. You mentioned 403Bs. And you talked a little bit about investing. So I've heard about these IRAs and Roth IRAs and tax shelters and all these things. So what is the difference? between an IRA and a Roth IRA? Well, uh, simply said, right now, a Roth IRA is a savings account into which you put after-tax monies. So you get your paycheck, you have a net amount of pay, and instead of spending it, you decide, oh, I'll make a Roth IRA contribution. So you put it into a Roth IRA, and it's under a tax umbrella. All the earnings accrue tax-free so long as you hold that account for at least five years. An IRA, which is not a Roth, so a traditional IRA, similar, you're putting money into an investment, yet in the contribution year, you're taking an income tax deduction for that contribution. So if you put in $5,000 and you're in 20% tax bracket, you're going to save $1,000 by putting that money in. However, the money accrues under that tax umbrella tax deferred until you take it out. And at this point, when you withdraw from a traditional IRA, it's all ordinary income, which is currently, and I suspect forever, taxed at a higher bracket than capital gains, which would be that rate which you would get on outside of retirement investments. So long story short, you get a deduction for a current contribution to a traditional IRA. You do not get a deduction for a Roth, but the Roth accrues tax-free the traditional IRA accrues tax deferred. So in the old days, you thought, oh, I'll be in a lower tax bracket when I retire. That was probably the case for our mom and dad. It's not going to be the case for us. Trust me, our income tax brackets right now are very, very low, historically speaking, and I suspect they'll be higher. So I'm not sure we want to kick that can, that tax uh, can down the road for a higher bracket. Perhaps we just do a Roth and and, uh, save ourselves uh, maybe generations of tax. So with investing, is it that you invest, invest, invest until you retire and then you just stop investing or do you just keep investing even after you retire? Well, this does vary because typically when people retire, they're able, more able-bodied than they would be in, in a few years such that their expenses will be disproportionate to those expenses that they might incur in 5 and 10 and 15 years out right? Um, or their expenses might be the same. And, and the, at the beginning, it's on fun things like travel. And at the end, it's kind of like on, on health care and, and maintenance of life and so forth. So the issue is, this really is a goal-driven scenario such that if you are receiving monies and you don't have to spend it all, you go ahead and tuck some of that away in a you know, checking account or not a checking account, a, a local after-tax um, investment account. Um, so that you'll have just another source of income to tap. So, yeah, you can keep saving once you uh, retire. It depends on what it is your short- and long-term goals are. So then if you have a market pullback, you always want to go ahead and trim your your spending during that kind of time because why 
keep your spending on an even keel, which might mean you're taking out and selling assets at depressed prices. I never want to lock in a depressed price. So if the prices of a typical investment are down because the market is correcting, I, that's when I say, okay, I don't have to go out to eat so many times. I'm going to forego that extra vacation each year and allow my investments to cycle through because we've seen historically investments that go down in a cycle, you know, cycle back up and recover within some time. We just don't know the time limit because they don't ring a bell at the top and the bottom. So the ultimate decision is, you know, we need to manage risk, uh, uh, Renika, and the risks are many. We have longevity risk. We have sequence of return risk. We have a ton of um, economic risk, political risk. We've got a lot of risks. We've got financial risk, interest rate risk, inflation risk, right, such that we can't eschew risk. Risk is with us. Risk is actually the currency for return. So we can't be skittish about the stock market just because it happened to be frightening when it went down one day without, you know, giving us an advance, you know, postcard that it was going to go down next Tuesday, right? The fact is we've got to think of it smart. Like if Macy's or any of your favorite retailers throws a sale, uh, you know, you're not going to, you know, next Tuesday, I'll give you 20% off on a suit. You're not going to go out today and buy a suit unless you need it today. You're going to wait for the sale. The difference is the stock market doesn't give you advance notice, but we never, ever want to be skittish about the long-term benefits of being invested in the stock market because historically they've proven to outperform uh, bonds and uh, CDs and and even real estate. So again, I can't predict the future. You do want to take history as your guide. So you want to ferret out the short-term goals. Don't put those in the stock market. But the long-term goals, you bet you must be there in the stock market participating in the equity of America and the world. Wow, Deborah, you have shared so much wisdom and expertise. I see why you are a, you are a master in financial planning. Okay, I have one last question. I always ask my guests one last question. It doesn't have anything to do with the topic, just maybe my just being a little nosy, but I just like to get to know people. So who are exactly. two people you would have as special dinner guests that are alive? Oh, wow. Boy, I would have Eleanor Roosevelt right at the, t- the head of my table, and, um, and I would just ask her to, to, to repeat to me that, you know, you can't feel badly about yourself, you know, based on someone else saying or something. You have to give them permission. You, know, you have to give yourself permission to take their, you know, assessment of you. She is a fantastic foremother that hasn't got a big do. I did visit her memorial in Washington, and I certainly suggest that to anyone. It's right there on the water, and it's co- completely gorgeous. But that was a profound woman that in an age like today, we would you know, be putting the microphone in front of her, her face, and, uh, and I would be there to, uh, to listen to everything she had to say. I think she was incredibly wise. Wow. Oh, and two people. And the other person? You know, the other person. Yeah. Boy, would I like to talk with Anne Frank. Now, there's a woman. There's mm. a young girl who was completely arrested in uh, the vicissitudes of being a teen and, you know, kicking up her heels and just became adult overnight and somehow mustered through incredible, incredible, heinous sacrifice and crimes and seeing that amount of um, death and that uh, living amidst that fear how that girl held it together, I would love to sit at her feet. Yes, man, two great people, yes, and um, in our history of our world. Thank you so oh, here much it is. Here for it is. your time. No, I think 
I think Eleanor Roosevelt said, no one can make you feel inferior without your permission, something like that. Right. No, that is true. That is true. We we have to give people permission to make us feel inferior. So true. Deborah, I really appreciate you. That's our time. It's up. Oh, my goodness. It went by so fast. Uh-huh. Sure. Can you please take the time to let everyone know how they can purchase copies of your books or seek your service? Well, thank you. I, I would invite anyone to go to uh, my website, Women Navigating Finances. Dot com. It's a mouthful, but that is what we're about, womennavigatingfinances.com. And if you put a forward slash resources, um, there are some goodies in there that are going to help you uh, keep your tax bill lo- as low as possible and uh, help you understand compounding and give you encouragement along the way because ultimately uh, we need to get started on this and we need to be supportive of each other in this uh, financial navigation process and I am all about coaching people through that, helping people prepare for the expected and especially the unexpected. So womennavigatingfinances.com forward slash resources and I think you're going to be uh, real pleased with the gifts we have there for um, your listeners. Deborah, I cannot say thank you enough. I appreciate you. I wish you the best of luck and blessings in all of your endeavors in the future. Thanks. And I just want to end with saying, regardless of how you've been socialized, and that differs substantially by our age or socioeconomic circumstances and family life, regardless, it's your responsibility to manage your money so when you retire, it doesn't. Wonderful. All right, Deborah, thank you. Take care. Renika, you too. Bye-bye. Retiring requires a plan, a smart plan. One that allows you to live at a comfortable level until your days upon the earth cease. No matter what stage you are in, there is an option for you to consider to prepare for retirement. Measuring a life well-fulfilled varies from person to person. Each journey is filled with goals specific to that person. I invite you to make your plan for retirement. Prepare for the road ahead and decide what is comfortable for yourself when the desire or option to no longer work presents itself. Thank you so much for listening. Please visit the website, www.striveformorepodcast.com to view the notes and resources from this episode. Continue to strive for more and live your best life now. See you in the next episode. 